from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinker and I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As you well know, we're on Anchor, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a plethora of other podcasting platforms. We're also on the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. Check us out on all those locations. And a happy belated 4th of July. As someone said recently that America is the greatest country. It's so great, in fact, that even the people that don't like it, they won't leave. Uh, and on that note, we welcome you into another fantastic show. Drink, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, you know, a pleasure as well uh, being here with you. And and to what you said, hey, I like the country, so I ain't leaving no time soon. But with that said, um, you know what time it is. It's another Wednesday. So, you know, we got to give the people what they want and what they came here for. Another day, another dollar. So, as always, we see what they don't. And you know we're going to say what they want. And last but not least... Let's talk some sports, baby. Let's roll, baby. All right, this is episode 62. We're going to talk NFL quarterback competitions, Shakari Richardson, and ESPN's internal turmoil surrounding Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor. We're going to begin with the NBA Finals in Game 1 that kicked off that series last night with the Phoenix Suns taking a 1-0 series lead with a 118-105 victory. Uh, Chris Paul led the way with 32 points in his first ever NBA Finals game. He also got 27 from Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton, big double-double, 22 points, 19 rebounds. The Suns led by 13 at the uh, – was it 13? No, it wasn't. It wasn't that many. But they led by 13 at the end of the game. They led by as many as 20 in the third quarter. The Bucks chipped it down to as little as seven in the fourth, but overall wasn't enough. Giannis did make, uh, did make his return to the court coming off that hyperextended knee. Looked fairly good, 20 points. On 6 of 11, he also had 17 rebounds, 29 points from Chris Middleton in the losing effort. Drink, uh, what was your uh, what was your big takeaways from game one? Well, here's the deal. We know what the Bucs are going to do. We, let's not sit here like it's a surprise. The Bucs in game one, they done lost every game one they done played thus far. Kind of remind me of a team last year, you know, go by the name <clears throat> Los Angeles Lakers. And that's neither here nor there. Um, they, they lost another game one. Whoop-de-doo. Um, we're very surprised. But I would say this for this game one loss. Um, Giannis end up playing, so I think this is going to be a, 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 a determinant factor as the series go on. Um, this series will go as the big three of each team goes. That's, that's how I see it. Last night, if you actually look at the numbers, from a team standpoint, well, the Bucks out-rebounded the Suns, okay? They had more assists than the Suns, okay? 
David shot. David shot the three better than the Suns. Um, Suns had a better, you know, a slightly better field goal percentage. But the one one area where they did win, um, I thought, was the turnover battle. So you say to yourself, as a team, the Bucks seem to outplay the Suns. Um, but when you start breaking down the big three for the Suns, that's CP3, uh, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Aiden, and for the Bucks, that's Giannis, um, Middleton, and Holiday, um, it's, it's clear to see that, listen, at the end of the day, when the Bucks big three score give you 59, right? But then the Suns get 59 from just CP3 and Booker, and I ain't even get to Aiden yet, it's probably going to be an L. It's probably going to be a Suns dub and an L for the Bucks. Um, with that said, you know, that that's like the biggest takeaway I take away from this whole series. When I looked at the game last night, I wanted to see, just like we talked about last week, if Giannis wasn't playing, what, what would Middleton and Holiday do? Giannis is playing. Now, remember I did say this last week that for some reason it seems like the Bucks play a different style of game without Giannis. And that 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 part of the game that we don't like about the Bucks came back last night with Giannis at the top of the key with the dribble, dribble, dribble. The only difference is I think Giannis kind of had an element of surprise on his side. Because he did look pretty outstanding for a guy that was supposed to be out for the rest of the you know season, rest of the playoffs. I mean, the guy he got diagnosed with his injury what a week ago, and he he had more spring in them knees than I gave him credit for. So I will give him credit for that. And for what it's worth, I think that Giannis, as the game went along, he played better. So that showed me that he was kind of getting back in the rhythm. I think game two. He's going to be something to deal with. But the problem is, like I just said about the big three is, Giannis, he's probably most, most likely going to have an outstanding game in game two. But I, I, we don't know what we're going to get out of Holiday and Middleton. And I just think, listen, the Suns' big three is more consistent to this point. They really are. I, you know, I'm not going to say, like, Booker won't give you a clunker, CP3 won't give you a clunker, or Aiden, you know, won't show up. But thus far in these playoffs, those three have been a way more consistent big three than, than what the Bucks got right now. And I, I think in game two, um, they're going to rely a lot more heavier on Giannis than they did in game one. And I, I just, as, as a Bucks fan, you got to ask yourself, hey, Drew Holiday, we gave up a lot for you, man. Where you at? Where you at, man? Like, where you at? You know, and, and for Middleton, I mean, I can't really beat him up. He had 29, but... I, you know, it, it, I don't know what what's going on with the Bucks where when one guy goes off, the other guy doesn't go off. They got to fix that. But at the end of the day, to keep it short and sweet, it's all about a big three. So, um, you know what I'm saying? If you want to make it to the top and pop, y'all, you might want to get something done there, Bucks. But, at the, you know, it, it's, it's just about the big three. I think Giannis is going to come back. I, I didn't think he had a bad game, to be honest with you. I thought his game was pretty good for, for coming off his injury. But as you can see, this team is going to need more from Giannis. They're going to need more. Like, I don't want to hear no more of that, what they was in the regular season. I'm done with the regular season stats. What are you doing in the playoffs? And, and that big three got to step it up. So, for me, good win for the Suns. But I do think the Suns did what the Suns was, was supposed to do. Listen, you're playing game one at home. You seem to be the more healthier team. You seem to be the better team. You should have won this game. I think game two will open our eyes a little more of – 
is the Suns really just that much better than the Bucks, or would the Bucks make the necessary adjustments to even up that series? What are those ne- necessary adjustments? That's what you know. That is what I'm trying to see out of Game Two. But overall, I think the Suns just took care of business, and that's what we got. Yeah, a whole whole lot to get in, into in this game. Just to to build off what you said, because I think there's something there about this whole big three thing. I would go probably go immediately to the seemingly third wheel for each team, because I think that's probably where the, the you can say that was maybe another difference last night in this game. DeAndre Ayton had a had a real impact on the game, uh, 22 points, 19 rebounds. I mean that's huge, um, especially for a team that outside of him is kind of limited um, in the in the front court. You know they don't they, the the Bucks sort of. The Bucks have the the better depth on the inside, uh, but Aiton held down the fort. He played a played a really good game. Meanwhile, Drew Holiday, I mean, like you say, it, it just wasn't good enough. And we when we see this from time to time. Holiday, I mean, it comes and goes for him. The game one thing is is not something that's unusual. This is now the third straight series that they've lost game one, um, and especially considering Phoenix has home court, uh, Giannis came back last night and I thought he I thought he looked pretty good early on um looked looked to have a lot of spring in his step I would say maybe later on in the game maybe a little bit of fatigue set in uh but I I do agree I think he's gonna uh come out more aggressive in game two but the big the big thing is um they, they can't lose Drew Holiday in all of this Drew Holiday has to be an integral part of this team and he's got to assume more ball handling responsibilities to kind of keep him involved and I think if they do that, that's only going to help him on the defensive end stay engaged, which is where the Bucks have got to make some adjustments, just as they had to make adjustments in the uh, Eastern Conference semis and Eastern Conference finals against uh, Brooklyn and Atlanta, respectively. Because the pick and roll that Phoenix was working last night, I mean, it was just an absolute clinic. Uh, it seemed like too far off and Milwaukee got caught in bad switches. And it, lo- it looked like they switched too willingly, where – you know, their backcourt guys had opportunities to, you know, fight over the screens and stay attached to, to Phoenix's backcourt, whether it be CP3 or Devin Booker. And far too often, you're looking at Brooke Lopez guarding uh, Chris Paul or Booker, and you're like, well, what, this is a bad matchup. And Lopez, I thought, to his credit, held his own. He did what he could, but um, that's just an advantage for for Chris Paul or Devin Booker. And, uh, you know, they, they've every seemingly every time whenever they felt like it. You know, they just dribble off, they, they they wiggle around a little bit, and then, you know, it's a mid-range jump shot. Both of those guys are excellent in the mid-range. I think both guys are, are more deadly in the mid-range than they are from behind the arc. And we know how and we know how lethal they can be from out there. I think from Milwaukee moving forward, and I've said this from I've said this from time to time, I think Brooke Lopez, they're gonna have to cut his minutes. You know, if if you're gonna employ you know, the, the switching that they employed, you're going to have to downsize. I think you put Giannis at the five and let him bang with Aiton. I think Giannis has to make it a point to take him out of the game or limit him and battle him on the boards because Brooke Lopez coming out here. Look at this. Aiton got 17 defensive rebounds last night. Why does Brooke Lopez have one defensive rebound? I'd, li- I'd really like to know what Brooke Lopez is doing out there on the defensive end. Well, what do you mean? You just told me what he was doing. He's out there just getting abused in the pick and roll on the switch. Well, maybe they had something to do with it, but still, one defensive rebound. That's just unacceptable. But I'd like to see, I'd like to see Bobby Portis out there a bit more. I've said that, you know, repeatedly. We finally got a little bit more of him when uh Giannis left with the hyperextended knee against Atlanta. But I think I think you see how it goes in game two. I don't think you change your start lineup. You see how Brooke Lopez is doing. You I think you make it a a, 
a more point of emphasis to try to, you know, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, fight over those screens and stay attached so you don't your defense doesn't get compromised immediately. Because not only not only that do you get a mismatch with Lopez, but who but when Lopez comes off of Aiton, now you have the the setup for the lob. And then you know if you take away the lob, now you're in rotation and then you get wide open threes. You know, so that's what you have going on. The other point about Phoenix is what I've seen enough Phoenix ball uh, basketball now from this season to, to learn this about it. Phoenix is not going to beat themselves. And what I mean by that is they're going to take care of the basketball. They're not going to make mistakes. They play good defense. And you saw, you saw it last night from the free throw line. These guys were 25 for 26. They took advantage of, of, the, of the whistles when they got them. They got quite a few of them. But they, you know, those little things that you have absolute control over, taking care of the ball, maximizing possessions, and hitting your free throws, that is what they did better than Milwaukee. Milwaukee was not good from the free throw line. We know they're hampered because Giannis just can't get it together from there for whatever reason. And Milwaukee had more turnovers. They didn't value the ball as much. So first and foremost, Milwaukee, they gotta they gotta be as solid as Phoenix is, and they can't they cannot shoot themselves in the foot because Phoenix Phoenix is not going to shoot themselves in the foot and make careless mistakes over and over. So I mean th- those are some of the observations I have. But in the in the big picture, the biggest thing is I think Game Two Giannis will be better, uh, but they have to Drew Holiday has to be more involved. I think him and Middleton should get the bulk of the ball handling responsibilities. Play Giannis more off ball. Let him be let him be the guy to set the screen because we know how devastating he can be. Uh, as a role man, that's when you, I mean, he's going to play above the rim. And I really think, you know, depending on how game two starts, if Brooke Lopez is having, is having trouble, then I think you got to downsize. And I, I didn't, I didn't really like what Budenholzer did in the fourth quarter last night. I don't know what, I mean, I like Brent Forbes. I really do. But if Brent Forbes ain't making threes, there ain't a whole lot of reason to be him in the game. He was in the game in the fourth quarter last night when they went small and it didn't really make a lot of sense to me. I don't, I don't think, I mean, Brent Forbes, he can have his minutes, but I didn't think he I don't think he's the right guy to be in there because I don't think he offers you much on the defensive end. I would stick with if I'm if I'm looking at the bench, I want Connaughton or Portis having the most minutes off the bench because those are the guys that do the little things and they're better on the defensive end uh, than Brent Forbes. But overall, uh, Phoenix, like you say, they did what they were supposed to do, but I fully expect uh, Milwaukee to get back in this series. And I do think, you know, as long assuming Giannis is going to build off this and uh, that knee holds up, I think I think Milwaukee will uh, end up coming back from an early series deficit, deficit as they did in the last two series. All right, we now move over to the NFL, and uh, we're, we're going to project on some NFL quarterback competitions that we should see in the offseason. We've got training camp a few weeks away, uh, and we're leaving out teams like the uh, Green Bay Packers and Houston Texans who, you know, Aaron Rodgers, not, he don't want to be around right now. And Deshaun Watson having some legal trouble. So we just, we know that if uh, the front offices and people would behave, you know, those jobs would not be in doubt. So we're leaving those uh, teams alone, but we do have quite a few that uh, there there should be some good competition hidden in the training camp. So we'll start with the new England Patriots drink. We got Cam Newton and Mac Jones. Who you got starting week one? Uh, I'm going with Cam Newton. The only way Mac Jones is starting week one is if Cam Newton get hurt. Here's the deal. I know Cam Newton. Oh, man, the Patriots spent the first-round pick on him. That don't mean he ready to get back there. That don't mean he the, he the heir apparent this year. What that means is 
Bill Belichick is looking into the future. Now, he, you know, he he is, I would say he probably fits the prototype that Bill wants to be his starting quarterback. But with us, with that all said and done, I, I don't think Mac Jones is ready for that smoke. Um, I think this job is all Cam Newton. And like I said, the only way Mac Jones getting there, Cam Newton loses his leg sometime tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Cam Newton on this one. Yeah, I tend, I tend to agree with you. I think it's Cam Newton. Uh, I, I just refuse to believe he can be, like, that dreadful with throwing the football uh, accurately. He's also got a – remember the New England Patriots had that big free agent spending spree. They really in, invested upgrading the personnel, got him two big tight ends. We know uh, what a great relationship in Carolina he had with Greg Olson. Um, also, they also got uh, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, the wide receiver. So I think the – the upgrades in weaponry will help, and then a full off season, uh, you know, to digest the New England way of doing things under office coordinator Josh McDaniels. I think it'll lend to uh, Cam Newton having a much better season in uh, in year two in New England, and I think Mac Jones is going to have to wait his turn for now. Uh, Denver Broncos, Drew Lock and Teddy Bridgewater. We talked about this a few months ago. How you see this one shaking out? Man, now this is this is a close one. I'm gonna go with. I'm going to go with Drew Locke simply because Drew Locke have more rapport with these re- receivers. He got more rapport with offense, with the offensive line. He know the playbook better. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Now, if, if you want to ask me the safer bet, the safer bet is Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but the, the guy I think that's going to be the star quarterback just Drew Locke. It's just it's too much that Drew Locke has done to this point. And Teddy Bridgewater is just not a good enough quarterback that made me think, oh, he's going to come here and just supplant the young man. You know, I'm, I don't know about that. Uh, it's a reason why Teddy Bridgewater is on this roster, you know what I'm saying, after all the time. So with that said, yeah, I'm going with Drew Locke to be starting quarterback for the Broncos. Yeah, I, I agree with you on this one as well. I would go with Drew Locke. And the, the biggest reason, um, Drew Locke right now is the is kind of the quarterback that you, you don't he, – he hasn't reached his ceiling yet. I think there's a, a belief, there's got to be a belief still that Drew Locke has room to grow and get better because if they didn't believe that, they probably would have took a quarterback in the NFL draft. They did not. Uh, and and with Teddy Bridgewater, like, you know, you start him week one, you're, you're probably kind of stuck, you know. So, and and we know what, we know who Teddy Bridgewater is. He's a veteran, uh, you know, tough toughness, all that stuff. Uh, the, the classic game manager, not going to make big mistakes that really kill you. Uh, but he's not necessarily just going to sling the ball up and down the field and, uh, you know, win, you know, 40-point shootouts. Uh, but because of that, I feel I feel comfortable with Drew Locke opening the season. Um, you see how he does. And, you know, about middle of the season, if you don't think he's cutting it, you have a safety net in Teddy Bridgewater uh, that you can plug and play. Because let's be honest, th- this Denver team, they should be, you know, at least – at minimum competing for a wild card that the roster is good enough. They just need consistent quarterback play. All right. Over to the NFC and the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Nick Sheriani. He's made some interesting comments in the off season. At one point he tried to tell us that Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz were number one quarterbacks. And now he's got Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco. Uh, I'm not sure I find any of that attractive. What do you think drink? Yo, if Joe Flacco is the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, Sarayana should get fired. Like, and I don't give a rip what he should be fired. If you if you want to fire him right then and now, I don't care. Listen, I heard the Eagles got a prison 
located under their stadium. They're like the only stadium with a prison located under. <laughs> hey, Sariana might have to take a visit if he go and start Flacco. I'm just telling to you like this. Okay. Um, I bet I see Flacco <laughs> out there as a starting quarterback. Now, if you got a healthy Jalen Hurts. Now, if Jalen Hurts is hurt, no pun intended, then, hey, yeah, Joe Flacco, roll out there in your wheelchair. But unless that's, that's the only way I want to see it. Like, Jalen Hurts should be the starting quarterback, and it's not even close. Listen, Joe Flacco can go back to his potato chip commercials or whatever he had going on. But this whole this this is the, this probably the most disrespectful race that you're gonna bring up in this segment right here. It's this one. I think it's Jalen Hurts' team. I think Sariana should give Jalen Hurts all wills to keep going. Listen, you got Joe Flacco because you need a backup plan. The problem with the backup plan is you don't want to use the backup plan. That's why it's the backup plan. So we're going to try not to use the backup plan. So, yeah, I'm going with Jalen Hurts on this one. You know, it just every – as time goes on, it just becomes more and more amazing that the Philadelphia Eagles have just disintegrated into this mess this quickly. Like, th- what, four years ago they won a Super Bowl, and now they are, they are unrecognizable. Um, now they got new coach and – he. Uh, it's it's got to be close. I, I'd be interested, you know, in a later in a later day to get your thoughts on who do you like less, this guy or Dan Kneecaps Campbell? You know, because those, <laughs> those are two rookie head coaches that we're just not excited about at all. But uh, I'm I'm going with Jalen Hurts too, just almost for the simple fact that like it's you know the Joe Flacco stuff was like ten years ago now. You know, the, the, Joe Flacco with the Super Bowl, Joe Flacco with the contract is Joe Flacco elite. Uh, no, he, he's not a lead. Matter of fact, he, he, uh, I don't even know if he's average and he ain't been average for quite a while. You know, this, he was over in Denver a few years, but he couldn't even do it in Denver. It's just, it's about over. It's, it's time to just settle into one of them cushy, uh, backup roles. And we never, I mean, that's this, this don't mean he won't see the field. I think it's good. It's a very difficult situation out there for Jalen hurts. Uh, because that team is just, you know, it's a mess right now. They got too many, elder veterans who I feel like they, you know, one hit away from being down for the count. Um, but I, I do think, you know, up front, I mean, Jalen Hurts, when he came in last year, he showed, he showed some promise. He showed some flash. I think he got the fans a little excited. Um, and that, you know, that, I think that's going to have to be enough right now. Joe Flacco is not in, in, in inspiring confidence in much anything. All right. On the Chicago bears, Andy Dalton, the veteran in there. And they also have their first round pick, Justin Fields drink who's starting week one. Now, this one's a little more interesting. I, you know, I think this depends on how fast Justin Fields can process information. Um, if, he, if he can process it as fast as people would tell you because his Wonderlick test was so good, um, then he should be the starting quarterback. I think Andy Dalton kind of have an edge up. Just It's, it's kind of similar to what we were saying with Cam Newton and, and Matt Jones. The only difference is, like, it's not like Andy Dalton. This Andy Dalton, this is second year with the Bears, and he got the playbook and all that. He's learning the playbook as well. He's just a veteran, so he would catch on to it faster than Justin Fields. But let's be real here. We know Justin Fields is the supreme athlete here, the young talent, the up and riser. So, like I said, if Justin Fields can learn that playbook at least a third of the playbook or you know you know whatever the amount is for him to get on the field i think he'll be the starter but if i had to bet the mortgage i'm going with andy dalton right now yeah i think i think 
I think I'm with you as well on this one. Uh, Justin Fields, he's obviously the future there, but I, I think they'll uh, play it safe. And we've seen some comments recently that uh, would kind of give us the indication that they will play it safe and go with Andy Dalton early. But uh, it, it's a little bit different than Cam Newton, Mac Jones. I think Cam Newton is his job and it'll be his job for the season and beyond depending on how he plays. Uh, but Andy Dalton, almost similar to Teddy Bridgewater. We know who Andy Dalton is. Uh, he's not going to blow you. He's not going to knock your socks off with, you know, just his outstanding uh, play. You know, the guy, the guy got the, the red hair going on. And that's, that's about it. Ain't, ain't much impressive these days about Andy Dalton. But uh, I do think, you know, it'll allow Justin Fields a little bit more time um, to get acclimated. And I think there's a comfort level right now with Matt Nagy and Andy Dalton and just having the veteran um, up from uh, up front. But I think I don't think it'll be, you know, too long. Um, you know, maybe within, you know, the, the second month of the season, I think Justin Fields uh, will be taking the field. Uh, New Orleans now one of the more interesting ones, which uh, they got two quarterbacks or maybe they have a quarterback and a half. It's Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. Who you got, Drink? I think pure quarterback-wise, you got to take Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston is the better quarterback. But Taysom Hill has done so much for the Saints. It, it would also – it wouldn't surprise me if Sean Payton was like, listen, I got to give my guy a shot. He didn't hung around here this long. He didn't, you know, done so many things for the franchise. Let me give him a shot. But the pure quarterback, Sayers, would say, no, nah, you got to go with Javis Winston. You got to go with the actual quarterback. Not the gadget, dude, but the actual quarterback. Listen, I know that Taysom Hill played quarterback at BYU. It was BYU. Listen, Javis Winston has been a quarterback on a high level. The dude got a 30 for 30. He don't, like, <laughs> let, let's keep it real here. As crazy as that sounds, that's still impressive in some odd way. Um, so we know Jameis Winston can do what he can do. We also know Jameis Winston have a lot of bad spots, a lot of bad spots. But if, I, if I'm the Saints and I want to take this season serious, I, I think I got to go with Jameis Winston as my starting quarterback. Yeah, I think I think I think that's the the right move. I think it is Jameis Winston. And the thing the thing about it is is, you know, that there's probably there's an argument to be made on any given day about you know who probably who gives the Saints a better chance to win, Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. Uh, but I think the difference is, uh, take uh, Jameis Winston can't do what Taysom Hill does at least right now with like Taysom Hill's jack of all trades uh, uh, role. Uh, and Taysom Hill can play quarterback. I think the, the, the Taysom Hill's value is everything that he does. I think him stepping into purely a quarterback role kind of takes away from what makes him special because the reason he is special is because of all the different things he can do. He can he can obviously pass the ball, but he can run the ball for you out of you know the wildcat or whatever you want to call it. He can catch passes down the field. Um, you know, put him on special teams. He block. He, he does. He does it all. And I think you lose that specialized nature of his game when you have him play quarterback. If you have Taysom Hill play quarterback, then I mean, Jameis Winston just becomes the backup, and there, there's no real value in that. If you know, if Taysom Hill's on uh, playing playing quarterback, then you lose what Taysom Hill does. You know, as a runner, as a receiver, and all and all the rest of it. So I, I would go. I would go. Jameis Winston. Obviously, the biggest key is the decision making, um, and if and if he's tightened that up, then I think I think the Saints they'll they'll be an interesting team if Jameis Winston takes care of the ball, Taysom Hill stays in his role, and they'll be they'll be in the thick of the playoff hunt again. But it's going to come down to his decision making. 
At last one, we got the 49ers. They're uh, rookie number three overall pick, Trey Lance from North Dakota State. And the incumbent, Jimmy Garoppolo. Drink, who you got? Well, listen, this this is most likely Jimmy Garoppolo's last hurrah with the 49ers here. Um, if, if Trey Lance is where he seems to be, you traded all the way up to three to get him, um, you know the fans going to be clamoring now. The fans seen him. They, 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 they think they got some goods. They're going to want to see him. I think Kyle Shanahan just got to realize he – Whatever decision he, he's going to try to make here, he's going to have to stick to his guns. Um, and I think the decision would be to start Jimmy Garoppolo. Here's the deal. Jimmy Garoppolo is now going to be auditioning to play for other teams. I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan got to do the guy somewhat of a solid. Let him get some tape out of there. It don't hurt. We seen what Fitzpatrick did with Miami. We see what, I mean, we see these young and old tandems work. Let, let Jimmy Garoppolo give you some tape. At worst, he comes out there and hits you with the flat line, double nose, you know, snooking foots, and he don't give you anything. And if that's the case, you just swap him and you go on by your business, paper or plastic. So at the end of the day, I mean, I, I don't think it hurts to start Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo should be the rifle starter. Yeah, I, I'd go Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, I think, you know, there's got to be some health considerations. We know Jimmy Garoppolo tend to, get, uh, you know, get nicked up and be out for extended periods. Uh, you know, I know we I know we, we got to give credit. Carson Wentz, you know, came out to shoot, ready to go from North Dakota State. But I would, I'd be a little bit more cautious in this regard. Uh, plus, Jimmy Garoppolo's, you know, he's been around for a while. You know what he can do. He, he was, you know, one throw away, uh, perhaps, from having a Super Bowl ring himself. Um, so I, I'd play it safe. I'd go with Jimmy Garoppolo, give Trey Lance a little bit more time. And I do think there's something uh, to you saying the part about audition for other teams. I would definitely play Jimmy Garoppolo. And even though Trey Lance is the future, you know, let him play early. And, you know, if he's playing, if he's playing well, but you still think Trey Lance can play this season, uh, I think he could be an interesting case at the trade deadline. Um, so that's where I'm looking at for that. And that's a, uh, that's the end of that segment, NFL quarterback back competitions. We'll see how it progresses as we head to training camp. All right, we now move to the Olympics and track and field. We don't come here very often, but we have a suspension to get into uh, with Shakari Richardson, the uh, female Olympic sprinter who's been uh, left off to the Olympic team for her positive test last week uh, for marijuana. Um, now the Olympic team is elected to uh, move on without her in the Tokyo Games. A uh, lot of reaction to this uh, on all sides. Some people, you know, taking the approach that, you know, she broke the rule, got to suffer the consequences. And other people saying, well, it's a, it's a dumb rule. We should maybe update it and all that. So a uh, whole lot of different sides to get into on this one, Drink. Uh, where do you sit on this one? Well, I got a question for you. Would you consider marijuana as a performance-enhancing drug? If you're asking me, do I think it helps in this sport with uh, running faster? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have to probably say no. But I'm not a big expert on the effects. So okay. <laughs> so the reason I ask you that is this: one of the big one of the big subjects, one of the big talk talking points of this whole ordeal, which you call Richardson, is is marijuana. It's not PEDs. It's not a performance-enhancing drug. And then, so for those people, this is what I ask. Is it or isn't it? Because if you're comparing this to football players, then no, probably not. You know, steroids and all. Baseball players, hmm. 
Probably not. Um, steroids probably take care of that too. Um, basketball players, probably not. My, my point is this. If you're talking about a team sport, okay, cool, I got you. But she don't do a team sport, unless we're talking about the relays. Relay is four people are in a relay. But for the most part, she's an individual runner. When, when you run a sport like, when you do a sport like track and field, the, the, the craziest thing about that is this. When you're on that track, it's you and only you. Um, her, her number one race is the 100 meter, um, the 100 meter individual race. It's just her. The win and loss of that race is just on Shakar Richardson. Meaning, when she from the time that that gun shoot to the time she finished that that passed that finish line, it's on her. She has to run as fast as possible from one end to the other end to win. Now, think about this. And you have to ask yourself: in a sport where you're the only person in the spotlight. You control the win and the wins and loss of your career. How how high do you think anxiety is in a sport like that? It's a good question. I'm I'm not exactly sure. I'd say uh, if, I would, you, I would, if you had to give it to me from one to ten, from a scale to one to ten, how high you think anxiety is in track? For track and field, probably somewhere in the middle. For five, I don't. Okay, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Okay, so let's say you go with five. All right, cool. Well, here's the thing. In track and field, anxiety is a really high thing because you're, you're in this event. You're by yourself. You got these fans. You got these lights. And, and your goal is to outrun all these other individual athletes that's just as fast, if not faster than you. So you uh, have a big... Can I get, yeah, just, just to, I don't mean to cut in, but I, I think I know where you're going with this now. You're saying okay. in, in the individual sport, there, there's more anxiety uh, along with it because you don't have teammates to lean on. Right. You, and you don't together. get a break. Okay. You don't get I, a break. It's just, okay. boom. You know? I, I'm with you. I'm with you now. Okay. Yeah. So you don't, you don't get a break. Like, you know, and I was going to go back to this, like football, for example, if you play on offense and you, you know, three and out, you go to the bench and come to defense. Oh, defense didn't do what they supposed to do. Here comes special teams. So you got breaks. Basketball, boom. Sometimes you, you're not giving it your all on defense. You take a break on defense. Then you get back on offense. Then you go to the bench. Baseball, et cetera, et cetera. Track and field, you don't have that. You're on the track from the t beginning to the end. So my point was this. You know a way that you can cut down on anxiety right before a race? Weed. I mean, that's just one. That's just <laughs> one a minute, you know. Just, that's just, the subject of this. Uh, you know, just one a minute. And, and here's the thing. People scoff at this, but that could be considered performance enhancing. If I can figure out to, a way to lower my anxiety more than my opponents can, my competitors mm. can, and I got a clear mind going into this big moment this anxious moment this history making moment and i get to run with a clear head that is going to make me a better runner because i don't have a thousand things going on in my head i just i'm tunnel vision i'm focused now i'm now i'm zoned in i'm ready to go while i got all these other people i got you know i got my family going on back here i got sponsorship going on here i got this that and the third 
Now, I'm not saying that marijuana is on the level of steroids at all, but I, I am saying this. For all the naysayers that keep asking, is marijuana performing enhancing drugs? You have to ask yourself, in what situation are we talking about? Because it can be looked as that. And every time I ask someone that same thing, and I break down the same scenario I just broke down, people look at me crazy like, oh, I didn't think about it like that. And it's not your job to think about it like that, but those are a couple of things, those are things that I think about. Now, to to the individual, to Shakari Richardson herself, listen, the reason this is very saddening, and the reason we're talking about this as much is, listen, this young lady had a lot of stuff on her shoulders. She had a, a culture on her shoulders. She had a region on her shoulders. Hey, she's from Texas, went to LSU, broke all these records, came from the, the, the ghettos of the ghettos, the hoods of the hoods. A lot of people relate to that. Um, you know, LGBT, she, she, you know, she dates another woman. So people relate to that. And then just her struggle and everything that goes along with that. A lot of people related to that. I'm saying that to say this. A lot of people was in her corner rooting for her. Her not being able to go to the Olympics because she decided to smoke weed. A lot of people are, are trying to turn the other way because so many people was rooting for her. But at the end of the day, right, you have to ask yourself. If, you, if your best ex excuse for her is, well, it's legal in America, she should be able to use it. If that's your best explanation, that's not good enough. That's just not good enough. Here's the deal. And, and, and it's the same way in the United States, but this is on a world, you know, a global stage here. If North Carolina governor doesn't um, authorize smoking marijuana, oh, no, no, let me, let me backtrack this. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me backtrack this. North Carolina is known as a military state. So if North Carolina right now said, hey, we legalize marijuana in North Carolina. Okay, cool. That doesn't mean the military members in North Carolina then all of a sudden get to smoke it up. Hey, it's legal. Governor said it's good. Hey, they signed the bill. Let's roll. No, you still follow, you still follow under federal guidelines, which says you ain't using around here and we got and we're gonna get the urinalysis ready because y'all think we plan yeah well it's the same thing for the olympics no one gives a rip what the united states is allowing in the united states no one gives a rip what poland allowing and russia and the, the czechoslovakia and, and, and all these other crazy countries right no one cares because at the end of the day the olympics have one set of international rules and it says you cannot use A, B, C, and D. It didn't say you can't use A, B, C, and D. But hey, if you're from America, don't worry about C. Like, no, it don't say that. It, it's it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. If you want to be a, a, a Olympic athlete, here's the rules. Don't break them. I don't care what country you're from. Don't break them. Listen, and for everybody to say, well, if it was Michael Phelps or somebody, it would have looked different. Listen, the Olympics don't care who it is. I seen them ban the whole country before, Russia. They banned the whole country from the Olympics. So if they were ban the country, what do you think one athlete got to do from? America? They don't care. You break the rules, you're out of here. And for those of for those people that like to compare this to Michael Phelps, two things for you. Thing number one, Michael Phelps went out here popping for marijuana during the Olympic trials. His whole ordeal happened after the Olympics. That's one. 
Two, you got to make it to the country first and to compete. Now, Shakar Richardson can't even make it to the country and compete. Those are two different, like, categories, and people need to knock it off. Then, oh, well, Michael Phelps got away because he a white dude. No, he got away because he was smart. He got away because he didn't do it at the wrong time. And I wouldn't even say he got away with it. He, he got in trouble for it, but it was in the offseason, so people assumed he got away with it because he didn't do it during the Olympic trials and it became a big bigger story than it already was. So with all that said, man, here's the deal. I'm, I'm with most people when they say smoking marijuana is a small thing. I do I do agree. Listen, if, if you hang around people that drink beer and liquor, then don't come crying to me about people that smoke marijuana. Because I, I do... I, I, the only thing is, alcohol been legal for a very long time and marijuana hasn't. But listen, they both had a cause and effects. If you've been around both, you know what time it is. So with that said, it might be minuscule to us in America, but this is a big thing to the Olympic Committee. I think they handled it the right way. She broke the rules. She don't get the she don't get to participate. And listen, this is how I know it's true because Shakar Richardson herself went and apologized for the mistake she made. She gave her explanation. She said she did what she did, and that's it. She left off the roster. She's not crying about it. She's not saying she's a victim. She messed up, and she own, and she take ownership in that. So at the end of this, we got to stop condoning the wrong behavior. She was wrong. She got in trouble. She can't go to the Olympics. Now she got to wait another four years, and that's a punishment within itself. Could you imagine being at the top of your game, and now you, you don't get to show the world your your game is to another four years now. That's a punishment within itself. So, um, with that said, man, like unfortunate as it is, and I'm rooting for Shakara Richardson. I know she'll bounce back and win more, you know, U.S. World Track and Fields and get herself back into contention for the next Olympics. But she was wrong. The facts are the facts. And listen, we we gotta follow rules too. Just because we're American, don't mean we can do whatever we want to. Yeah, this is a this is a tough one, and uh, you know, in the past year of just seemingly just tough news, you know, everywhere you turn, this is uh this is one of the tougher ones I've seen in the, in the sports community, um, because you know the the circumstances that kind of go with it and the the reasoning she puts forth, which is just you know, you know, we we all go through something in life, and you know, every now and again, some people need some people cope in different ways, and. People have been known to cope with different substances. I mean, that's just kind of how it go. But the, you know, the we got rules in place. You know, the, much like we got laws in place in the country. You know, we probably do well to stick to them as best we can. The, the bigger the bigger point is like you know, if you don't if you don't agree with the law, don't agree with the rule, then you got to go through got to go through a process to to changing it, which is what the the USA track and field team you know they say. Uh, you know, we, we don't necessarily like this, you know, we're sympathetic, um, you know, with what happened, uh, but, you know, we gotta, you gotta buy by the rules. And it is like, as you say, you know, this is a, this is a globalist type thing where, you know, everybody has to, all the different countries that want to participate, got to abide by the same rules. Um, so, but they, they do say like, maybe we, maybe we should take a look at, uh, you know the rules surrounding marijuana, but I, I did a, I did really appreciate the nuanced argument you gave about hey, you know, in this sense, individual sport, anxiety, you know, you know, if one person uh, sm uh, smokes marijuana, 
Maybe they, you know, able to get that anxiety down to where they're more focused and calm and relaxed. Maybe that helps you run better as, in a, as opposed to the, I don't think there's any direct argument you can make that weed makes you faster. But if you go the indirect route and say, well, you can relieve, relieve, relieve a little stress, uh, calm your nerves a little bit before the race. Cause you know, I've ran before and you know, you get that little extra juice phone and you, you're a little, a little too hyped up. Maybe there's something there. So I get that. And then of course, in the, in the larger, in a larger picture, and this just apply to all sports, the danger with this is when you start legalizing these, if you go the route of legalizing, you know, certain substances such as this, then I still think it's probably not a great idea to just, you know, go full fledged and just smoke whenever you want. And the, I think the last thing you want to see is you come out to competition and you got athletes out there, you know, just baked out of their minds. I, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily want to see that. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine LeBron and AD just high out their minds and just, I, I can't, I really can't see that like helping the competition, even if it doesn't necessarily boost their performance. Well, I, I would say this though, like, do do you ever see them drunk? You know what I'm saying? Alcohol been legal for however, I, and, and we we didn't yeah. see LeBron come to the arena drinking wine or whatnot. You know what I'm saying? And people be outraged by that. I I don't like like people if they say that. Okay, I don't want to see the athletes high. Well, that don't necessarily mean you'll see them high. How many have mm -hmm. you? How many of them have you seen drunk? They've been able to drink for years, so they don't meet. They still athletes, and they still got to treat their body a certain way to be at the top of their game. And that's a well, and that's another point to this. And I've heard you know different analysts make this argument before that you know alcohol probably has you know depending on what you look at more adverse outcomes you know based on the effects of you know the alcohol than than marijuana. Uh, but yet alcohol is legal, why can't marijuana be legal? But you know the interesting part of that, because we know alcohol has a potential to just wreck lives. You know what I'm saying? We, you know, talk about DUIs and just alcohol poisoning. We, we, you know, we've known people from time to time that drank too much, but they never talk about, they never talk about maybe pulling back on the alcohol. It's always just, we, we need more legalization of everything. That's one thing I always find interesting because I'm not a, I'm not a really a proponent of, of any of it, um, but, you know, I, I do think the biggest thing with Shakari Richardson is it, it's just it's like the, the timing aspect you mentioned is it, just tough. And I think also like the fact that she had to get up, uh, do an interview and, you know, give the, the explanation that she gave. I, I really thought that was you know, that, that was tough to hear. And also, I don't think that was, you know, I understood. I understand why she want, wanted to, like, you know, give an explanation. And it didn't. It also didn't feel like you know somebody was making an excuse. It felt like a le legitimate reason that we could all understand. But um, it, it, I, I just found it sad that it had to come to that, and now everybody knows her business because I don't think that's something that she should have had to disclose publicly. At the same time, I do I do appreciate how she handled it. You, know, you think th this is a, a young woman that's 21 years of age, and uh, she she seems way older than that. She seems very mature, and. Uh, you know, the way she handled handled it and really took responsibility, you know, I, it, I, th I think she'll, you know, bounce back from this as she, as you say, and uh, she'll have all the, ex all the success in the world moving forward. And I look forward to seeing her run in 2024. All right. We now move to the, the ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, getting uh, probably more attention than they uh, want to over things that are not directly on, on the uh, field of competition. They got some internal issues they're currently uh, working through. 
uh, with two of their prominent uh, media figures in Rachel Nichols and uh, Maria Taylor. Uh, the New York Times had a story uh, leak a few days ago about comments Rachel Nichols made in the NBA bubble last year in regards to um, ESPN and their push for you know more diversity, more inclusion, all these wonderful things, which I, it would seem that Rachel Nichols is uh, you know a proponent of. Um, but she also, you know, let's see, here, here we have the comments. So I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. She covers football, covers basketball. If you need to give her more things to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy longtime record on diversity, talking about ESPN, which, by the way, I know the, I know personally from the female side of it, like, go for it. Just find it somewhere else. You are not going to find it from me or taking my thing away. And, and so we have this uproar now. Uh, we also have Nichols was the... Uh, NBA final sideline reporter. She was replaced on that uh, on that uh, on that on that duty last night by Malika Andrews. Uh, as far as I know, she's still uh, hosting her show, The Jump, which airs at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard, I believe. Uh, but that's kind of where we are. Drink. Um, what do you make of all this? At, I want you to do something for me. Hey, can when you when you go to work tomorrow? Hey, can you get in touch with the sergeant major of the Marine Corps and tell him? Hey, you can miss me with all that diversity stuff. I ain't got time for that. Don't bring it over here. You know what I'm saying? I wish I wish that guy the best, but don't bring that crap over here. I'm going to holler at you. You know what I'm saying? And just tell me how that work out for you. Tell me if he likes it, if he cooperates, you know, move a couple of things around. Just for you. Just for your yeah. personal, you know, right. recommendation, you know? Mm -hmm. um, look, I don't know what the hell Rachel Nixon. I, I know she made a pretty good living. I don't know what she's out here smoking or using. But here's the deal: um, you can't go to your boss, you know, essentially ESPN, telling them what you will and won't do. Listen, I know you're pretty powerful, but I, you know, I, and maybe it is some things she can do. That I, I would think one Stephen A. Smith walks around and say what he will and won't do from time to time, being that he the pretty much the face of ESPN. But for for Rachel Nicholson to uh, do this, well Nichols, I'm sorry. For her to do this to Maria Taylor, I, I I mean I would look at them as you know peers. I would look at them as you know, I, I never once look at you know Rachel Nichols and then say, damn man, she ain't as good as Maria Taylor. I'm gonna be honest, I've never like compared the two. I didn't even know it was like a thing that they was coming for each other jobs or they was fighting for a certain pecking order. Um, Cause here's the deal, I, I, when it comes to basketball, you know the 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 woman that really matters is Doris Burt. I mean, let's keep it real. I I mean, y'all can see him. You know, I I got it that Maria Taylor does her host thing in the booth, but when it comes to a voice that we want to hear for real, it's probably Doris Burt. That's why she done done it all in that booth. She didn't broadcast. She been on sidelines. She done done it, all. And, and that's who we want to hear. Now Maria Taylor has cut us cut out a nice niche for her in college football. But, you know, I, I think she worked hard for that. As far as Rachel go, here's the deal. Um, for anyone anyone that's listening to this or watching this that listened to the Kwame Brown, um, I think his podcast is like the life of an NBA bust or a life of a bust, something like that. Um, on his podcast, if you, if you was listening to him probably like a month ago, maybe a little earlier than that, he talked about Rachel Nichols. He talked about how she has the um, propensity to take something small, like a, a, a small hood, childhood story or something, and make it out to be bigger and try to make you look bad for her, her game, her publicity. He says that. 
his words, not mine. Go back, find it. That's what he said. At the time he said it, I'm like, all right, cool. You know, maybe he's scoring or whatnot. Fast forward to now, I'm looking at stuff like this, and it's like, I mean, maybe he wasn't lying. Maybe, maybe it was something else. I had to ask myself, like, what happened? What, what really was going on, or what was Rachel really thinking about to make her say that? What made her go at the boss man like that, the management, and say, "Not over here. You ain't doing that." Maybe she already she felt like her job was threatened anyway, and then with everything the country was going through at the time, because this you know this interview is old, everything that the country was going through at the time, she just felt like she felt very threatened, and she felt like her territory was going to get moved on. Now the ironic thing is this: you said all that, right? I'm not. You ain't doing it over here. You ain't gonna take my place. And then what ESPN did? Oh yeah, hey, hold my my uh, broadcasting spot. And they, they went on and took care of that, all right? And not only did you not get, you didn't get replaced by Maria Taylor because she off doing bigger and better things. What, what her name? Malika Andrews. How you love that? How you love that? You know, that's who you got replaced by, the other black girl. So, <laughs> I mean, if you if you really got a problem yeah. with that, ESPN just showed you what it is out here here's, on these streets. Here's some more of it. <laughs> um. So... ESPN showed you was really was really good out here on these streets, but at the end of the day, you know, I I don't I don't know what this whole thing about because I don't want to call her racist. She did some racist type of activity, I guess, race related activity. I don't know if she's racist. I just know I now I have two piece of article two articles that I can attach to her name that doesn't look pleasant as far as comments she done made or as far as how she do it, how she does her day-to-day job so i don't i don't know what that's about um but i'll tell you what this whole invasion of privacy thing that's going on in america right now like we really got to be cognizant of who you're talking to and what you're talking to them about now this is ridiculous i just seen so many comments get leaked and i'm assuming she had no idea that her comments was getting recorded but at the end of the day man it, it's no more privacy in this country this is what I'm yeah. starting to realize. That privacy is gone out the door. You really have to watch and, and really pay attention to how you conduct yourself. But I will say this. I think the penalty for Rachel Nixon is warranted. Hey, you got to get replaced. You don't come here telling us what we're going to do. You don't be insensitive to what we got going on. You are an employee. You don't run this show. We run this show. And if we tell you you're going to do this, that's what it is. You don't like it, like you said. You can get replaced, and that's exactly what happened. So I do think the punishment was warranted because you, it shouldn't have been said. If you don't like it, you shouldn't have said it. And who they replace it with is who they replace it with. But I guarantee you this. When she comes back, if she comes back, you will see a different approach to how things go. Listen, Charles Barkley said it. <laughs> Charles Barkley said it. It wasn't this direct parallel, but he said it. People come to you and tell you to watch what you say for a reason. It's a different day and day and age. Can't say what you want to, especially if you out here hating. And it's definitely sound like she was hating. So if you do it like that, that's what's gonna happen. I think the the, the punishment will warrant it. But I don't think this is the last time we'll see Rachel Nichols. I, I I think she's a good enough talent to where we'll see her pop back up again. But I, I think everything that happened is warranted. I, I didn't. Let, let's not leave out the the fact that that's the type of you know culture we've. We're now creating for ourselves. That's why 
part of the reason Charles Barkley is, is leaving TNT in a couple of years. At least that's what he said in that interview. Um, but I think, you know, I, I'm looking at, you know, the content of what Rachel Nichols said, and maybe I'm missing something, but, um, you know, I think I, I don't see the, I, I don't find anything necessarily racist in it. You know, I think the, I think the, the overarching point, which is it's easy to get lost in that in this, in this hypersensitive society where we increasingly focus on, uh, on race, uh, which, which is dangerous. Um, but you know, the, the problem, she, the problem it seems like she has is, you know, we, we seem to be moving away from a society where we advance based on merit and who is the, the best fit for the job uh, to a, to a society where now um, we have to meet certain uh, diversity quotas just for the sake of diversity. I, I got I got somewhat of a problem with that. Um, I, I don't want to I don't necessarily want to live in a society where, you know, just based on how I look and how I belong to the uh, the quote unquote privilege or majority and all that, that, you know, I, 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 I should be necessarily passed over for something just so, you know, a, a corporation can check the diversity box. You know, I think I think that's something that, you know, I, I'm not I'm not really going to be for now. Of course, the the issue here is uh, Rachel Nichols. As far as I can tell, she's been, you know, the the, the biggest, you know, telling us all that we got to be inclusive, we got to be diverse, we got to be, you know, all these different things. Um, and then, of course, <clears throat> you know, the minute you know you're looked to and you have to step aside for, you know, whatever reason because the, the company wants to go a different route. Now you don't. Now you don't feel so good about it, huh? Which is which is pretty interesting. And it, and it, this is totally unrelated. Has nothing to do with this. But I I really I think of Steve Nash all the time lately because of this. Because Steve Nash got the job, and we were just I, mean, I know at least me I was kind of scratching my head, talking about well wait a minute this this is kind of odd. I didn't, I didn't see this coming. And um and Steve Nash about like you know three minutes he ain't even had time to you know get his tie ready for the press conference. And he's already telling us about, you know what, well, I want to do more for, you know, uh, diversity in the coaching ranks and getting more uh, black head coaches hired. Well, you just, they ain't with 30 jobs, Steve, and you just took one of them. So you can't tell me that hey, I'm all about getting them hired and, uh, but now I have the job and, you know, I, it just, you can't tell me you're pro diversity and then you just took the job. Get, get out the way and if you, you, you really want diversity, let somebody else have the job, but you wanted that job. So to me, I don't think this is necessarily uncommon um, and that people necessarily, when, when it comes to something uh, they want and their well-being, their livelihood and their you know position at a given company, uh, they, they feel a little bit differently about these things uh, because now they have to step aside for something that maybe they not 100% completely sold on. I mean, I just, I don't think, I don't think it's necessarily right for us to um, choose someone for a job based on how they look. And I'm not saying that's what ESPN is doing, but that seems to be what Rachel Nichols thinks ESPN is doing. And of course you had, you know, the day after that the audio was leaked, you had her come out and she had gave this big apology. And then the day after she don't have a sideline job and uh, I think there's real questions moving forward about, you know, whether she'll be at the network. I'm just pulling up something from the USA Today 
So, uh, Jay, I got a question for you. So, mm-hmm. what exactly did she apologize for then? I, I'm guessing I didn't I didn't view the apology, but I'm guessing what it amounted to was, uh, you know, sorry for coming at the company and come and you know indirectly coming at Maria Taylor and just I I don't th- there's the the reason this is a story as you say, is because th- there's no such thing as privacy, you know anything subject to be recorded. That's why you got to be pretty careful about what you say. Um, and judging by, you know, the, judging by where she was, she probably should have known that, you know, they had the recording. I, I don't know, maybe she didn't know. But um, that's why this is a story. If there's no recording device, this is a non-story. And um, she's probably, she's. I would get, I don't know for a fact, but I'm guessing she's only sorry because this is public. You, you, know, as, you know as well as I do, things that we say in private, uh, we necessarily, wouldn't come out and you know spout all over the national airwaves um and now this is this is a bigger deal when it's only getting worse uh yeah espn you got management they got to be up in arms you got the the national association of black journalists they're all involved in this now so um because of that and because of the like i said the hypersensitive um society we have where you know we anything race related it's going to be a huge deal um I, I, I'm not sure. I know, you know, originally uh, she was going to remain in place uh, at the jump, keep doing that. But you, you see how it works. And this happens. This happens across society. One thing happens um, that, you know, the, the quote unquote woke mob doesn't like or whatever you're saying. People apologize for it. And oftentimes that doesn't do a bit of good. You're going to be out of here. So I don't think we've seen the last of it. It appears that the National Association of Black Journalists you know, they, they want a meeting with Disney and all that. Um, I got, you know, if this continues, just based on what I'm reading right now, if this continues the way it goes, um, she's she going to be out of here. Um, and it's unfortunate because much like anything else, I don't think one thing that's, that someone says should define someone's career or their character. Um, but that, unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at in society. You know what time it is. Last but not least, it's rapid reactions. A whole lot of topics, a little bit of time. Jay, the floor is yours. All right. The XFL announced today that it's planning to relaunch in 2023. The product looked good before the pandemic hit. You glad to see them trying again? Hey, man. Listen, they can keep shutting it down and rebooting it because every time they reboot it, it something else comes even better. So I ain't mad at it, man. I, I know they, they're trying to get this product even better in 2023. So let's roll, baby. I'm here for it. Boston Celtics forward Jason Tatum would be wearing number 10 in the Tokyo Olympics, which was worn by his hero Kobe Bryant in the 2008 and the 2012 Olympics. Feel good story, right? It, it is. And it goes back to 2013 when he was selected for, uh, you know, a national team at the age of 15, he happened to wear number 10 then. And uh, according to this, he didn't even have to request a number this time. Like they, they knew who uh, they should give it to. And I, I think it's uh, absolutely appropriate. And I hope he, uh, I hope the whole team does well, but uh, you know this right here. I hope, especially Jason Tatum, has a great Olympics. And meanwhile, Team USA coach Greg Popovich says he's going to quote unquote demand a lot out of the fringe selection Kevin Love. That's also known as the token selection, according to Jalen Rose. Uh, Drink. How much of an impact can Love have for Team USA? Uh, probably the same impact Christian Leighton had on the Dream Team. I don't know, Ooh. like. Mm. I mean, he's there. I, I, I mean, look, he's an NBA player. Kevin Love can rebound. He can score. I mean, he can have an impact as much as they allow him to play. 
But I do, I do think it's a reason why he said, why Greg Popovich said, I'm going to demand a lot out of him. I wonder why. I just wonder why. Washington Nationals outfielder Juan Soto has entered the 2021 home run derby field, meaning there's only one spot left. Who would you like to see round the field out? i give you two. I'd like to perhaps see probably the most interesting one would be uh, Ronald Acuna, center fielder for the Atlanta Braves. Him and Soto kind of go hand in hand in that NL East. Uh, but also, uh, keep an eye on uh, Houston Astros designated hitter, Jordan Alvarez. I mean, this guy just... You like you like home runs? Go out, pull up some of the Jordan Alvarez uh, footage. There's a reason they call him Air Jordan. Shout out to the great one, Michael Jordan. This guy, this guy's great. Patriots wide receiver Nikhil Harry has requested a trade through his agent after two seasons, where he only received 86 targets. Uh, you think that's a good idea, or should he give old Bill and the Pats another year? No, that's a good idea. Go ahead and get up out of there. Listen, Bill and had more than enough time to utilize you. You got to understand. I think he's the only wide receiver that Bill Belichick has took it, taken in the first round since he's been the Patriots head coach. Um, so, yeah, about that. He's just not getting used as a first-round wide receiver. Um, I'm not going to say it's a, a big market for him, but I would like to see him, you know, in a place that would scheme up more for him. You know, a 49ers. Um, uh, what was another, um, the Kansas City, like an uh, offense that know how to scheme wide receivers open. Because I think Nakir Harry, his biggest thing is he can't like separate from defenders all that well. He's a big physical body, but and he got good hands, but he, he really had problems separating. So he just probably need to go to an offense that's a little more open. Michigan center Hunter Dixon has withdrawn from the NBA draft and will return to the Wolverines for his sophomore season. Do you think that was a good decision? I do. He had, he had a great campaign in his uh, freshman season, but uh, I, I think he could benefit from coming back, getting a little more polished. And uh, you know, it, also one thing you got to uh, keep in mind that factored in his decision is he had a little name image likeness going on. So he mentioned that as a reason why he come back, make a little money on his side. So, uh, but overall, I think it's a good decision. And then I, I think, you know, have another great year, get a little bit better. And then uh, he'll, he'll be, he should be more, uh, a more attractive prospect uh, in the next NBA draft. Jaguars rookie quarterback Trevor Lawrence has signed his rookie deal for four years, $36.8 million, clearing the way for his training camp attendance in three weeks. Drink, what are your expectations for Lawrence in his rookie season? Uh, probably something similar to Joe Burrow, I'm not, to, to be honest. Um, just coming out, be competent, show you can, you know, you got the brass tax for this, this um, job, and just be a leader, man. Like, listen, I, I don't expect him to come there and make the Jaguars a uh, playoff team. Like, I... If I don't expect that from Urban Meyer, I'm definitely not going to expect that from Trevor Lawrence in his first year. But it's just to come in here and make an impact, man. Make an impact in your division. Make an impact in your conference. Make an impact in the league. That's all we asking. That's all Joe Burrow did last year. Nobody beat him up for that. Listen, y'all are in similar markets. Nobody's going to beat you up for that. Just make an impact. And I think that's all you can ask for in the first year. Last one, the NBA reveals its 75th anniversary commendatory logo today you like it i do uh it's you know predominantly most much about the same you know you got the jerry west silhouette in there i, I like the diamond outline you got a little blue and red got the 75 in there it's simple but i think it's effective uh and it's you know more or less there's a lot of similarities it's basically the same logo they just did some tweaks on it uh so yeah i, th I think it's pretty good and all right, that concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, and subscribe. And thank you for joining us today. I'm Jay Wise. 
And I'm Nathan Drinker, and remember, make tomorrow better than today, and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby.